Welcome to The Human Condition with Lisa Gregory. As a journalist, I wrote an article about Chris Nussbaum a few years ago. As is Chris's way with those he meets, we soon became friends, and he took me on a journey that has helped me better understand and appreciate the blind community. When we first met, you and I kind of went on a bit of a journey together, didn't we? And I know I learned a lot, but now I'm going to switch the tables on you. What was that experience for you, and especially with me? Because I know you've been interviewed before. I was a little skeptical at first, but I was also excited because I thought, oh, this will be a good way to not only talk about my life, but to, uh, from the blindness angle, to... um, use that opportunity to talk about my perspective on blindness from my experience. And then it turned out that I was able to include in that a chance for you to talk with people who have had a great impact on my life. So the speculation uh, ended in the middle of our first interview together, which speaks to your skill as an interviewer, because I know that there are some times when uh, interviews happen and by the end of the interview, the guest is, is still as skeptical of the host or the interviewer uh, as they were before the interview started. Um, but, but that wasn't the case for you. And that was... Uh, almost three years ago and now here we are we've become friends and we have become friends and and it's now a lot of fun i've gone from this is just this reporter i've invited into my home for some reason to i really like this person why don't you tell us how you came to be blind i know that you were premature why don't you explain that a little bit for the listeners So I was nine weeks premature, as you said, and at birth I had a condition uh, that some of our blind listeners might be familiar with called retinopathy of prematurity, or ROP. And what that did was my retinas detached, and uh, that made me totally blind. I apparently had sight for about a minute, and... uh, (laughs) my parents had this surge of hope that uh, they were finally seeing me respond to visual stimuli. Oh, he's finally doing it. He might be able to see. Never mind. Yeah. (laughs) So, so um, I was, I spent a good chunk of my first few weeks in the NICU down in Baltimore. And, uh, uh, went back for subsequent surgeries, many of them. And what were those for, Chris, those surgeries? What what, what were they trying to, to help you with? Well, a lot of them were they were trying to save my sight, and then they found out that there was no sight to save. Uh, they were trying to find every little bit of uh, opportunity they might have to... Uh, restore any sight, any, any vestige, I guess, of sight that I had, and there, there was nothing uh, that they could do. Um, and I've said, that's that's why I've said a few times on my show, when we've talked about medical 
research and the possibility of a cure for blindness that it's a fine line while I completely understand why medical professionals would want to try to restore a blind person's sight, we have to be careful that we don't do that at the expense of uh, other parts of the body. And I say that because when I was born and because of the brain bleeds that were a consequence of ROP and the consequence of prematurity, I still have some symptoms of that, which uh, I'm still dealing with today. Some uh, problems with spatial orientation and awareness, and then there's epilepsy, which I'm also dealing with. I don't know if there's any relation, but uh, I'm also dealing with epilepsy. And so there's there's some other stuff and I'm not sure, and I probably will never know, uh, whether that wouldn't have happened if they had stopped operating on me earlier. But it is a fine line. Anyway, all of that to say that they had a lot of surgeries that they tried to do, and uh, I was in and out of the hospital for a good while. And then finally... The last surgery I had was when I was five, and that was when they removed one of my eyeballs and um, gave me a prosthetic eye, which I still have today. And you still wear those, and you have them in both eyes, right? Right, uh, to an extent. So my right eye is the eye that was totally removed, so I have a total prosthetic there. And my left eye, I have a shell over the eyeball. It's called a sclera shell. And the eyeball's still there, but it's deformed. So the shell is over that eyeball to make it appear like a normal eye would, color and all. Do you think there was a sense, of course you were five years old, but I'm wondering, was there a sense of, of relief that, okay, because if, you've done nothing at all. You have embraced your blindness and who you are beautifully. Was there, you think just almost a relief. Okay. From here on out, I am a blind person and there's not going to be this going back and forth and hoping that I can restore my sight and et cetera, et cetera. You sort of, I think at that moment kind of stepped into who you were going to be in a lot of ways. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I mean, for five-year-old me, I was just relieved that I was out of the hospital oh, and God. I was out of the pain that had uh, caused the eye to be removed. The reason primarily that my right eye was removed was uh, because it was uh, calcifying too much. So um, one minute... I would be perfectly fine, and then the next minute I would be writhing in pain oh. to oh. the point where, as my doctor uh, described it to my parents before we had the surgery, uh, the pain that I felt at that time, and I agree with him here, was as if somebody was sticking a knife in my eye and moving it around, wiggling it around in there. So you were ready to be done. You were ready oh, as a yeah. five-year-old. Okay, so we're five years old, and you realized 
that you were a blind person and you were a little bit different than the other kids. You want to talk about that a little bit? I don't really remember when the moment was that I realized that uh, I was blind and what blindness means. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe it wasn't a just mom one single moment of clarity. Maybe it was a gradual process. Uh, in fact, I think it was. I knew kind of around that time what it means to be blind. I knew that for one thing, when I had the surgery, I knew that my eyes are what we used to see, and they were taking out one of my eyes, so of course I couldn't see with that eye. It turned out that I couldn't see with either one of them. Um, so I knew to some extent that I'm blind, but I'm not sure when it was that I learned that that made me different and what that really meant. I think that came over time. Well, you told me a specific story, um, I don't know if you remember, about being on the playground and sort yes. of not being included and you couldn't oh, yeah. understand why. And actually your mother said you didn't realize you were blind for a while, um, that you all had to have that conversation. Well, I'm sure she remembers better than I do. But uh, I do remember very well the playground story. Um, I went to a daycare after school, and I remember going out for recess then and there. And I remember sitting on the bottom of the at the bottom of the slide for a good while, and not really being interested or included in any of the other things that the kids were playing with and i was like what's going on here <laughs> and um then i think that was when we had the conversation because i said mom the, the kids aren't playing with me why is that and so i think she had to explain then that uh, i'm blind and they don't know what to do about that and so that had to do with what was going on. But what I didn't know was prior to that, there was a whole sequence of events that had to happen for me to go to that daycare to begin with. Yeah, could you talk about that? Because there was only one daycare that, that would agree to accept you, right? So there were a lot of daycares that my parents went to and... They talked, they talked with uh, the directors of those daycares about having me, and they were all agreeable to it. And then the B word came up, that I'm blind. And every single one of them uh, became really uncomfortable about that for one reason or another, uh, whether it was that they felt that they couldn't keep me safe or they didn't know how to deal with me or they didn't think I was going to be... Uh, uh, able to be with the other kids, whatever the case was. And in fact, <clears throat> there's one story that my mom tells pretty often about a daycare, one of the ones they went to, where they were talking to the director about me and then mentioned that I'm blind. And the director kind of gave her this pitying look and she said, 
oh, I'm so sorry. God bless you. And that was it. And then she walked out. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. So, so of course, you know, we weren't going there. And um, so finally, the daycare that I went to, uh, we went in and mom talked to the director and the uh, who is still a good friend of ours. And Lisa said another Lisa. Um, and there's some there's there's something good about these Lisas. Right? <laughs> I can't figure out what it is. I would agree something... with that. <laughs> so, uh, so, so Lisa uh, said, "Well, I don't know anything about blindness, but I'm willing to learn." And that was the key. We weren't expecting, and I still don't expect anybody to know everything about blindness i mean heck i don't know everything about blindness but as long as they are willing to learn and they're open-minded about it that's the key for me and that was the key for them i think that's that really says so much about you because you really you know i made a note when we were getting when i was getting ready to do this interview with you and you take every opportunity to be an advocate, an educator, to inform people. I guess part of it comes from my innate personality, my outgoing nature, and maybe a kind of teaching tendency. But I think it also comes from what I learned from uh, other blind people. You know, my show, The Blind Side, has as its purpose a platform where blind people can talk about, as I say in my promo, what blind people are doing, what blind people are using, and most importantly, what blind people are thinking. It's a way that we can sound off to each other about the stuff that matters to us. And I get calls from people who uh, kind of rant uh, as they need to about things that happen to them, and they're angry, they're frustrated, and that totally makes sense. But then sometimes they they say well, they say, well, I I know you preach all the time about educating these people, and you just can't educate these people. And I said, but you, and I always say, but you have to try. You're not going to get anywhere. Uh, you're not going to improve anything if you don't at least give it a shot. And that's always been my philosophy. I think part of it is, uh, like I said, my personality. I and I think, but I think a lot of it is what I learned from my blind mentors over the years. Uh, one of whom. And one of the first of whom being a retired teacher. He was a Latin and French teacher for 30 years in our county. The first and only blind teacher this county's school system has ever had. And uh, I think he, as a teacher anyway, taught me about the importance of educating about blindness just as you would educate people about anything else. What do you want a sight people to know? What What are some things that we could understand better, do better, respond to better? That's an interesting question that I 
get pretty often and I've got to be honest I'm not sure how to answer it because everybody's different and because everybody's different everybody responds to things differently everybody uh, there there are different things that everybody has to learn but I think the one generic thing that I could say is that blind people or at least most of us are open books and you don't have to be uncomfortable or sheepish around us as i said i don't expect anybody to know everything about blindness but what i what i want for everybody is the ability to be open with each other and the confidence to ask questions and the open-mindedness to uh, accept the answers. And you're so good about um, answering questions. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the story that I think I used in your article about you're on the bus in middle school and about <laughs> what was the question again? Tell us that story. <laughs> I love that story and how you handled it. Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, that was actually in this. That was actually in the cafeteria at school during lunch. That was even a more awkward time. Um, but somebody asked me, um, "Are all blind people single?" And I was really taken aback by that question. I was thinking, "Where did that come from?" And I said, "No, I I know a lot of blind people who are married, who have children, and whatever." And he said, "Well, how do you know?" As a blind guy, how do you know if she's pretty? Or I think he said, how, how do you know if she's hot? Because, you know, he's in middle school. And I said, um, you're right in a sense because blind people don't necessarily know that a person is pretty on the outside. But they do definitely know that a person is pretty on the inside. And to me, that's what counts. <laughs> so true. Why don't you talk a little bit about your experience with the National Federation of the Blind? I mean, that played mm -hmm. such an important role in, in your life. Yeah. So um, I, I've always known about the NFP because you know, growing up as a blind person in Maryland, how do you not know about the NFP? Because their headquarters are in Baltimore. <laughs> And um, and so my parents were involved uh, in the NFB since I was very young, but I didn't really uh, come to understand the NFB on my own terms and be active in it until 2011. I was in middle school then, and um, I went to a program for middle school students that focused on advocacy and leadership development. And so I got to meet, uh, as, as important as the advocacy and the leadership learning was to me, um, it was even more important to meet the people I now consider to be mentors and guides and friends throughout my life. Why was that and important to you, Chris? Because finally, I got some some people who get me mm -hmm. and who understand what 
I'm going through and what problems I was facing. That must have been huge for you. It was huge. But more importantly, what was great about it, Lisa, was that uh, these people told me that I had something to contribute. Um, Before that program, I was a beneficiary of all that NFB had to teach me and my parents. And I'm still a beneficiary of that. But what I learned at that starting at that program was that I also had something to contribute. One of the uh, mentors that we had at that program who I now refer to as my NFP mom or um, sometimes sometimes uh, uh, in person you'll hear me refer to her as mommy number two. Um, she said something to me that's really profound and I never forgot it. She said, you know, you need the NFB. You're right. You do need NFB. But NFB also needs you. Like, how impactful is that? And a lot of it, too, is about mentoring and giving back to the people who come after me. You're talking about young people. And, and before I, I forget, because I think this is an important part of talking to you, your, your mother, you have an amazing mother. I um, do. Do you want to talk about how important she was um, for you as a little kid and as, as you grew into an adult? Um, I think she gave me a lot of confidence. Uh, I think she influenced in a lot of ways how I look at blindness and how I look at other people uh, and how I deal with that because I saw her and how she was approaching me how she was giving me opportunities, some of which I liked, some I didn't. I remember when I was six years old, uh, it was the first summer camp I went to, and I was scared. I was nervous, of course. It was the first time away from home. But um, I remember mom explaining to me what they were doing and what it was going to be like. The point is that she gave me those opportunities to to go away from home and discover who I am and what my interests are and what I want to be. And what I was going to say also is I saw her learning from people and being open to asking those tough and maybe sometimes awkward questions of blind people that showed her uh, what she could teach me and how she could teach it. And so around fourth or fifth grade, I learned, I started riding the school bus and I learned how to get from the bus stop to my house, which required some street crossings and some other stuff. It was actually, and now that I think about it, it was really easy, but at the time it wasn't to me. And um, there was a time when I did it 
and I knew mom was watching. Mom and dad both were watching out the window. And of course, that probably didn't help my nerves because I knew somebody was watching me. And um, I got really lost. I completely veered into the street and uh, I got overcorrected when I heard this car and it was a little too close for comfort. <laughs> so I overcorrected and then I was completely lost. And um, my poor neighbor had to come out and like rescue me as I was like crying because I was so embarrassed. Um, and so I got back and mom and and again i was really embarrassed i wasn't scared i was embarrassed uh, that i had gotten so lost that i had i thought i knew this i thought i had learned this but i got so lost and um so mom went online and asked a blind person she had connected with online um how lost do you get She's a blind oh. adult. <laughs> and Sarah said, I do it all the time. Tell him not to sweat it. That's huge for you, isn't it? I mean, that had to have been at that point. Yeah. Huge for you. It's huge for me still. Uh, I make no secret of the fact that travel isn't my strongest point in terms of blindness skills. There were times when I was frustrated and embarrassed and when I would get pretty lost, and then I would hear Sarah's voice in my head, and I was fine. Would you want to have your sight if suddenly Johns Hopkins says, look, we can do eye implants or whatever? What, what would be your response? I can never miss what I never had. And because I'm blind and always have been blind, that's the only life. I know. And <clears throat> so if I were to be sighted, I would have to start from square one. I would have to learn visually those things that I do now non-visually. I would have to, um, <laughs> for one thing, I'd have to learn how to read print and I'd have to go back to a you know my ABCs from preschool um, when I've been reading Braille so long. Uh, I would have to I would have to go in at the young adult level and go back to and basically play catch up. And where I am at my life right now, I'm thinking, I don't want to do that. And <laughs> like, it's a good just, life, right? It's a good life. Yeah. Why like, would that you? Just seems like, yeah, like that just seems like an ordeal that I don't want to, you know, put myself through. So for me, the cons outweigh the pros. Um, and but for but that's just me for other blind people uh that's going to be different because mm -hmm. primarily because these are the people who were sighted for a while and mm -hmm. remember mm -hmm. seeing and then they went blind so yeah they mm -hmm. had something so they can miss it and they probably want it back uh maybe some of them wouldn't but um but a lot of them would probably want it back, and that's totally understandable. But for me as an individual, mm, eyes, what are they for? Overrated. I would like to thank my guests for joining me today on The Human Condition with Lisa Gregory, and thank you, the listener, for joining us today. If you would like to know more about the show, 
please visit my website at thehumancondition.podcast.com.